Hello, and welcome to Farmers Capital Conversations. I'm your host, Casey Silveria. This podcast aims to expand your social, intellectual, and economic capital. Investing on and off the farm is hard enough. Here, we will provide insightful stories and resources to help out. Full transparency, this is our shameless way for you to like us and hopes you partner with us down the road. Lastly, there are no ads here. All I ask is you enjoy and share if you find value. Now, on to the episode. Before I make any idea, even if it's buying something on Amazon, I always, unless I'm going to use something in the same day or within the next 24 hours or maybe the next week, I'm sitting on it 24 hours before I make a decision. As I get older, I realize not to rush a decision, right? Think about it, exhaust everything, and then come back the next day. You got to be able to make a decision quickly in many cases, but give yourself kind of a 24-hour rule to make a decision. Sometimes a good way to do it is when you first wake up and whatever your gut's telling you, listen to it. There's no shortcuts. There's always going to be another deal. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Farming for Passive Income. I am your host, Casey Silveria. Today, we have John Dwoskin on the show. He is an accomplished business coach, an executive advisor, founder and CEO of the John Dwoskin Experience, known for his unique approach to business growth and personal development. Um, At 43, John turned his passion into learning and problem solving into a career, influenced by his own experiences, which I'm excited to get into today. Um, He's also a cancer survivor and is deeply committed to giving back to the society, community, and mentoring those who are also battling cancer. So John, really excited to have you on the show today. Thanks, Casey. Great to be here. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. It's a good day in Boise, Idaho. So John, you're a business coach and it's what you've been doing for a lot a lot of years. You have a passion for it. You know, a lot of our listeners also have family farm operations um, from ranging from big to small scale farms. Um, all of those are, yes, they're a farm, but first and foremost, they're a business. They need to be profitable businesses. So I'm really excited to have you on, give a couple gold, golden nuggets to help them kind of further their businesses on the farm. Yeah. Well, it's great to be here. Um, you know, I think... Um, it's uh, one of the most important things. Are you asking, is that a question that's a kind of right? Open-ended. Um, yeah, open-ended. All right, good. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think it's great. I mean, I um, I think a couple things as you're, um, you know, talking just about the business. Are we, do we want to talk about the business or do we want to talk, where, what, where do we want to go? Well, maybe we could start, John, where you began. Where did your passion come from? And then that'll give us a baseline um, for the future conversation as far as, you know, challenges and overcoming those challenges, which I'm really excited to get into. Yeah. So my my passion for wanting to be a business coach really started um, um, at a pretty young age, but I knew from the time I was about 18 years old, I wanted to be a business coach. My dad gave me a set of uh, tapes by Brian Tracy called The Psychology of Success. And he said to me, Jonathan, I think you'll learn more from these tapes than you will college. And and I, as soon as I put them on my ears, I thought, oh, this is what I want to do. This is like completely resonates with me. I, I, I could see myself just growing businesses, writing books, um, and just, I don't know, I just, I always loved business. And so it, it just made sense. Uh, long story short, I graduated college. I started an internet company in 1995. I sold it in 1997. I had two business partners. One was my mm-hmm. brother. Um, I led the sales and grew the sales team and 
and kind of the business planning for the company because I had been studying all this stuff all through college. And then once I got done in the internet business, I got into commercial real estate where I sold apartment buildings uh, throughout the state of Michigan. After about six years of that, I got a little bit restless and bored um, and and, uh, um, and I wanted to start my own coaching company. But I was mm-hmm. offered, offered the opportunity to take over my office um, and I did that August 4th of 08. Um, I was part of the largest, you know, one of the largest investment real estate firms in mm-hmm. the country. So was that Marcus off- and Millichap? It was at Marcus and Millichap. And then, okay. um, and then the market crashed, uh, you know, six mm-hmm. weeks into me taking over the office. Uh, the office was just flattened. I grew that to one of the most, uh, one of the most profitable offices in the company at the time, um, bottom line, top line. And, um, and then after about six years of that, I just got bored. I was just restless and I wanted to start my own coaching company. As I was getting ready to leave and start my coaching company, I got offered an opportunity to go in-house and help restructure uh, a 50-year-old business with a buddy of mine uh, who owned the company. And I did that for a year. And then I started my coaching company eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's so kind of, we, that's kind of yeah. the, the quick just path. Yeah, there's a lot to to really unpack there, and you could spend hours just talking about that little journey. You know, is I'm specific into commercial real estate, so would love to dive into that. But I think right now for our listeners, we you know I'd really like to dive into the business um, coach side of it. Yeah. Um, and you know, you jumped from commercial real estate into helping your friend build out his 50 year old business. Is that what it was? Yeah. It was pretty yeah, so, built out. We just had to hmm. restructure it a bit. Yeah. Okay. So what did that process look like? That was a lot of fun. Um, so that was just kind of, you know, looking at all the pieces, um, moving some people around, moving some people out, moving some new people in, um, getting things, you know, just kind of evolved to uh, the next level, a little bit of organization um, and just, you know, just kind of, you know, Kind of getting things in just a new flow, and just a new flow that needed to happen, mm. and uh, that was great. It was great. It was great. He's still a good friend of mine, like a brother, and um, it was really fun to do um, at the time uh, before I started this company. So that was mm-hmm. now nine years ago. That was that was a bit ago. Mm-hmm. So you said you're moving people in, moving people out. Did they just have the wrong? You know, I th- when I think of business, sometimes I think of a. Uh, a, a bus analogy, you know, do you have the right people in the right seats? Sure. Do you have the right driver going down the right interstate? Um, was it kind of making sure people were in the right places? Yeah. Yeah. Making sure that we had all the right people in the right seats, moving them to seats that made more sense. Um, you know, we had to get rid of a couple of people. We had to hire a couple of new people um, and just really looking at really the vision of, of where we were going, what we wanted to do, what we wanted to accomplish. Um, and then just making, you know, smart and strategic, well thought out moves as, 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 as we evolve things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that what you do now? Does that translate into a lot of your clients right now? Yes, I do. I, I help clients. I work with solopreneurs to fortune companies from salespeople to managers to, um, owners and leaders, etc. And one of the things I do is I help them, you know, with their vision, the clarity of vision and making sure that that they have the right people in the right seats. And 
that they have the greats or they are training the right people who are in the right seats or moving people around. But especially today in a, in a hybrid world where people are, you know, working full-time in the office or full-time home or a hybrid of each. And, um, it's really important to have great people, great systems, great processes, um, really, um, you know, great communication, um, speaking in specifics and measurables and making sure that everybody understands what to do, how to do it, um, and that there's a level of accountability and authority in place to make sure that things fluidly can, can get done, which, is, which can be the challenging part of the business, the managing of the people and making sure things actually get done without micromanaging. Mm. Yeah, micromanaging can be hard. Well, A, to get away from and ju just create that fluidity that you talked about. And I really, I really think ownership is, is important in that piece because of yeah. like middle managers and directors don't have, you know, a lot of ownership in what they're doing and they always have to get approval three levels up. And I just feel like that doesn't really create a lot of juice in the company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's really, really important that, you know, you have a layer in place where, um, those people are managing people and they, they're owning the idea of, of growing people and training people, holding people accountable, and that those people, you know, understand from a very specific and measurable place what they need to do and what they own and what their lane is and, and, and all of that. Really, I mean, clarity, I think, is so important today, Casey. Mm -hmm. yeah. So how do you help people define clarity? Like what's a, what's a general framework that you use to do that? Because I, I hear that all the time, like define clarity, you know, you get a lot of companies, you know, figuring out what they want to do and then they get shiny object syndrome, you know, what are your thoughts there? So cl clarity is setting a plan and understanding really what your um, main goals are, right? What are your top, for example, three goals that are very specific and measurable that are that are leading activities that are growing the business. And those are things you really want to um, make sure that you're focused on. And so there's activities we get paid for, and then there's activities we don't get paid for. And so our leading activities are activities that we're getting paid for that we need to make sure that we have, um, like I said, very specific and measurable goals around. We understand that what we're the owner of, and we understand that everything we're doing is in a, has some level of deadline um, that we're, we're moving towards. And then once that's done, we reset the specific and measurable goal. And then we, we, we set the next deadline. So we always know what to do now and we always know what to do next. And so clarity sometimes, you know, it may be, maybe I can't see 30 days out, but I can see right now and I can see what's next. And so as an individual, I need to run that way. And as a manager, I need to manage my people that way. So can I manage someone and say, okay, here's the big picture. Here's our one-year vision. Here's our three-year vision. We've reverse engineered it to the week and to the day. And so here, based on the, on the dynamics of what's going on in today's world, in today's market, and as we forecast you know, three to six months out and we reverse engineer the level of difficulty or risk in the market, that will dictate the metrics of what we need to do today and then I set specific and measurable goals to, to move forward, to help grow the business, to help grow what I'm doing and, and, and have reasonable deadlines and just 
keep on keep on doing it day in and day out, you know, and then coming up with routines where, you know, at the end of the day, you're setting your day up for the next day. On Sunday, you're setting your week, you're setting your week up. But every day at the end of the day, because you're setting up the next day, you're doing your best to really focus and be in be in real time with your schedule. Right. And then, you know, everything doesn't go as planned. So you got to course correct and you figure out, you know, kind of what the do overs and, you know, key things that I work with clients on are becoming a master student of your calendar, um, understanding mm. how time really works and how to prioritize is, is critical. Um, and those, those two things, master calendar, be a master student of your calendar and learning how to prioritize those are quintessential to multiplying and accelerating your growth. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by calendar? Like, how do you manage the calendar? Like, we all know what a calendar is. We get meetings thrown on. You know, for if you're a farmer, you you know when you're watering. You know, but then sometimes your your day is pretty open ended if you got your necessary things done. So, how do you? I, I guess how how do you think about your calendar and structuring it? Well, my calendar, I'm looking at it in 15 minute increments, ideally. And I'm looking at it again at all the goals that I set. And I'm then putting all of the things I need to actually do and accomplish in my calendar in 15 minute increments. And then I can color code it to show the importance of what I need and prioritize it by, you know, the time of day that I need to do it to make sure that it gets done. But if I'm using my calendar right, I can study my calendar. I can study all the appointments, all the all the different colors of appointments or leading activities or lagging activities in it. And then I can study the white space of where I'm doing nothing. And I can do that at the end of every day and then prep differently and be more effective for the next day. And so I can look and I can say, okay, well, this I had a 15 minute, two 15 minutes last, but it only took me 10 minutes to do. And then the remainder 20 minutes, I just kind of did nothing. And so now I can add up and, you know, you look at your calendar and for every four minutes saved a day, that's 24 hours a year. So you got to look and say, well, if I'm feeling overwhelmed and I don't have time, I, there is a way I can probably find a hundred hours in my, in my year pretty easily by just utilizing my calendar, writing everything in my calendar, making it an extension of my brain and then saving 16 minutes a day which is almost about 17 minutes a day, let's say mm-hmm. hundred hours a year. So now yep. I get time back to put more time into the business or put more time into just, you know, myself and doing what I want to doing what I want to do, mm-hmm. you know, from a personal standpoint. Yeah. For me, I'm just thinking it's really, it's almost like holding yourself accountable because no one else is going to do that work for you. Right. For the most part, you know, it's, it's your calendar. You own that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's really important to, you know, you got to take ownership of your calendar. You got to take ownership. If you want to grow the biz, if you want to grow and, and, and find more time to do things, get things out of your head, make your calendar an extension of your brain and, and the whole world begins to, um, to open up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I've read a, a book a while back, Deep Work, what are your thoughts on deep work? Like the first two or three hours in the day doing, you know, the grind, eating that frog. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think, do you, do you like that concept? Do you think it's everyone's situation is very different? Or do you say knock out a bunch of meetings in the first go? Like what are your general rules of thumb there? Well, I think, um, 
you know, I'm all about hyper focus and 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 kind of zooming in. You know, if you're if you're in sales, you wanna you wanna you know you wanna do the hardest stuff first, and you wanna get a minimum of ten calls in by ten a.m. I mean, that's you you wanna organize your day so you're not wasting your mornings. If you're in management, to me, uh, depending on how many people you manage, but typically very realistic. You want to be connecting with every person you manage by 10 a.m. because you have to get the troops ready to kind of go out and do what they need to do. Get them armed and ready for with with talking points, with questions, with transition mm-hmm. statements. So you want you know you want to get them by 10 a.m. before the day gets crazy. If you're a C-level exec or an owner of a business, you want to make sure that you are getting all the stuff off your plate so you can do some deep work and get leading activities in flow and get your people in flow so you can you know be networking and working on the vision and and at meetings that are that are growing the business and so yeah to me by 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 10 11 12 at the latest you want to have set a very strong foundation you know i i'm mm-hmm. an early riser so i like to wake up typically at around 5 five thirty in the morning and you know get my morning routine in, meditation, working out, sauna, uh, journaling, a little bit of reading, podcasting, you know, listening to things of that nature. So my brain is ready by the time I am driving and get to the office. And then by the time I get to the office, my day is pretty packed with, um, uh, with meeting people via Zoom, with client meetings over mm-hmm. Zoom. I have clients all over the globe that I'm helping grow their business. Um, so I got to get my kind of stuff in by, you know, 7.30 a.m. And so the way I do it is I'm just an early riser, mm-hmm. just an early riser. And then I, get, I have meetings all day. Um, and then at the end of the day come, let's say, depends, you know, five-ish, six-ish, or I just do it at night, like maybe at nine o'clock, um, I'm, I'm recapping the day and I'm prepping for the next day. And that's kind of a, that's kind of a rinse repeat. Mm-hmm. For so, some people, like I'm thinking for myself, if I were to recap my whole day at 9 p.m. and I'm trying to wind down, I think I just get wound up again. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, it's different for every person. You got to know what the cadence mm-hmm. is. You know, for me, um, I, it depends on my day. If I have things for my kids or, you know, towards the end of my day or mm-hmm. I want to get home and be with my family then I'll do it kind of when their downtime is a little bit later in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but I think it's different for everybody and you gotta, you know, you gotta find the cadence of what, of what works, uh, of, of everybody's got to find their own individual cadence. Yeah. And everyone has some ingrained type of habits that you need, need to work through. Um, for me, it's like running at 4 PM or doing some type of workout to, clear my head from the day and yeah. then I can start a new, whether that's writing, reading, um, any further work that I need to do. Uh, but yeah, right. like you said, everyone's a little different. So you got to adjust, just accordingly and be a little flexible. But I like what you said earlier in, you know, before 10 AM getting the troops where they need to go. And so when that white space does occur, they have a vision on what to fill that white space with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because then you're just look. You, you know, as you start looking at things and and realize, okay, this is you know, this I need to do X, Y, and Z, and 
I think I need to do it in an hour slot, but I really only need 10, 15 minutes, or this seems like it's going to take a while, but I really, you know, you start re rethinking about how much time things take. Mm -hmm. You start tightening up your calendar a little bit. So when you say, Oh, I got, I got 50 minutes here. I got 30 minutes here and da da da. You kind of go in vacation mode and get really, really, really productive. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way to put it. I started doing, um, everyone has a to-do list, right? It's huge, but that was creating a ton of anxiety for me. So what I started doing is putting realistic expectations for how long those tasks would actually take. Yeah. And then I could be like, oh, those are three tasks, 10 minutes each. That's a slot. And then I just bucket them and then just knock them out rather than having it take up so much, um, essentially ram in my head is like just running in the background. I don't even use a to-do list anymore. I I only use a calendar and, uh, I used to use Todoist and I, 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 I took a Frank, my dad signed me up when I was 18 for a Franklin, uh, planner class, which is now Franklin Covey time management weekend. I use my calendar for everything, everything, all my to do's, um, everything has my, has my calendar in it. And then I prioritize it by, you know, by color and, and what time slots I put in my calendar, but I got rid of it because it was taking me too many minutes to move from my, to do from my calendar to my to-do list, my to list, to my to-do list to my calendar. Mm. So a couple of years ago, I just nixed the, um, the to-do list and only use my calendar. I like that approach. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of putting it, writing it on your to-do list, just go write it in your calendar. Correct. That's and then you already have the time blocked off. Correct. And when I do the same thing you do. Like if I have like a bunch of one minute, you know, things, I just put it in like a, within one 15 minute slot in my calendar, I just put all these like 30 second, one minute things. And then I do it, delete it, do it, delete it, do it, delete it. I just clean it off of my calendar. Makes it so much easier for me. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'll have to try that. I like that approach, John. Yeah, I like that. So one thing, so just to move away from the the calendar side of this, one thing yeah. that I would love to get um, talking with you a little bit is strategic partners. Being being stuck and lacking a strategic partner and kind of getting getting unstuck by finding that strategic partner. I feel like a lot of solopreneurs have a hard time finding help, uh, myself included. You know, either we got burned previously and so we don't want to either find strategic partners or just find even work on like upwork or part-time work um do you have any advice on how people can you know look for strategic partners and the right people to to put in their business when well i just for some clarity when you're talking strategic partners are you talking about what type of strategic partners well for me i i think right now it's the right fit as I think through, you know, real estate investing is long-term holds, your five, 10, five, 10 year holds, right? And then yeah. you're growing businesses, you're doing deals every year. So how do you know when you bring in a strategic partner, either at the GP level or as an LP or even at, you know, LPs, limited partners, passive investors, people looking to invest in with me? You know, is it a right the right fit for them? Because essentially, they're also a strategic partner. Like we are seriously partners in the deal. We all have documents together with our names on the same documents. We all sign the same documents, right? So, how do you make sure that everyone's on the same page and aligned as for, from a strategic standpoint? Yeah. So, a couple of things. One, uh, Casey, I, I like that question a lot. And 
But I think one of the key things, which sounds kind of simple, but it's complicated, is there's got to be a really high level of trust and you got to listen to your gut. And if 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 99% of your gut is saying yes, but 1% is strongly saying this is not a good business partner for me, don't do it. Right. So you got to kind of fall into that. And then so now how do you kind of even have the knowledge to tap into if it's, you know, if the trust is there or the gut is there? Well, you know, you got to understand what your vision is. And do the people that you're aligning yourselves with have a shared vision? You know, when it comes to commercial real estate, you know, sometimes there's vision on what the hold time is and what we're going to buy and what the debt's going to be and 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 how much are we putting down and what are the returns going to be and 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 you know all the moving pieces. And so mm-hmm. you, know, you want to kind of ha- have that pretty kind of in sync so you're all on the same page with it. There's dynamics that may change things, of course, but you want to, you want to be on the same page with everybody that, Hey, this is what we're looking to buy. This is what we are buying. This is the plan. Um, are you on board? Are you in alignment? Are you not be very specific and measurable? Um, and don't leave, you know, anything open for interpretation. You gotta kind of be specific and measurable at every piece, um, of, of, of the conversation and through the transaction. And then at the end, you know, it's all about, do you like the, do you like each other? Right. Yeah. I mean, you want to do business with people that you, you ideally like. And sometimes, you know, we've, if you've been in real estate long enough, you've heard plenty of stories of people who just end up hating each other and then they're in lawsuits and, and they can usually trail it back to, you know, I really didn't like that person in the beginning, or I really didn't. (laughs) And so, you just don't do business. Do business with people that you love to do business with. It's 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 so simple. It's complicated, but um, I think there's a lot of truth to it. And you got to listen to your gut and your instincts, which um, sometimes can be easily swayed. But if you just sit with it and in in silence and create the space, and you, God, the, everything is telling me yes, but also there's too strong of a voice telling me know with this person then listen to your gut mm-hmm. do you think anything has to do with like the uncertainties like maybe it's their first passive investment in real estate and they've never done it before maybe that's the what what's maybe what's holding a part of what's holding them back or is it do they look for somewhere else that's you're, you're causing that feeling them. well you're talking about them investing with you or them investing with anybody I think, well, I invest as limited partner too. Um, So I I guess from both angles. It's, it's, if you're looking for people who are new that need their handheld, then you know the type of person that you're bringing into the mix. And the same, if you are new going into any type of transaction, then it's like, hey, we're new. These are, we're going to have a lot of questions. You know, are you willing to answer them? You know, and are you open to kind of, hold our hands a little bit. If they say yes, great. If they say no, don't do it. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, people will take, start taking investments from, you know, do friends and family and $25,000 chunks. And then like, wait, I have to deal with like a hundred people now versus two major investors. So the next deal I'm only going to get, I'm only going to offer it to 25 people, let's just say. And so, and, and so the, the way they operate may be like, hey, give me your money. Here's the agreement. You know, here's how we're going to run it. You know, we're not 
we'll call you back on a, you know, you'll be part of a quarterly call and, and that's it. And so, you know, you gotta, before you give somebody your money, you want to understand what kind of the, the rules are and, and the communication and, you know, things of that nature. So yeah, it's a two way street. Yeah, definitely. And I look for reputation. Um, when I put my money into operating partners, GPs, you know, I look for a strong track record that they've done. And then I just look for the risk basis, you know, is there risk adjusted returns? You know, a couple years ago, you know, we all knew that interest rates were going up. Well, not all, but it was, if you read the tea leaves, that's what was happening. And so I invested in the deal in Houston, but of course you have to check the debt. So make sure that it's on a fixed rate because your cash flow will save you. And you have to make sure that your expenses are are sound and stable before you can, you know, move forward. Or at least that that's my perspective. That was kind of my check. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what your checks are. Know what your personal formula is of 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 what you want to invest and who you want to invest with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that to me. And then you and then use your gut. You know, if you're about to give your money to somebody that everything looks great but your gut tells you something isn't right. Listen to your gut. Yeah. So many times in all these stories that we're talking about right now are people saying, I just didn't listen to my gut. I knew something wasn't right, but this person and this person and this person did it. So I thought maybe I'm just not seeing something clearly, but listen to your gut. Yeah. But that's also the problem because herd mentality is a real thing. If you have everyone talking about doing this one thing, it's very easy to get on board. Yeah, it is. That's why you got to create a space for yourself of of stillness and and silence and be able to sit with uh, something. You know, before I make any idea, even if it's buying something on Amazon, I always, unless I'm going to use something in the next same day or within the next 24 hours or maybe the next week, I'm, I'm sitting on it 24 hours before I make a decision. As I, as I get older, I realize not to rush a decision, right? Think about it, think about it, exhaust everything, and then come back the next day. I mean, you got to be able to make a decision quickly in many cases, but give yourself kind of a 24-hour rule to make a decision. And if your gut Still tells you, you know, sometimes a good way to do it is when you first wake up and you're, whatever your gut's telling you, listen to it. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no shortcuts. There's no, you know, there's always going to be another deal. I like that advice because it's so easy to get caught up in the emotions of a decision. And it's also like a little dopamine hit as well. So we have, you have a lot of things going against you, but what you, what you, you and I really speak to myself here, um, just sitting with it, like you said, it can really create a good environment to, to make sure you're good with it all. And then also have the courage to make that decision. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. But sometimes I, when that, when I think about courage, you know, it takes a lot of courage to move away from herd mentality and also cultivating, you know, growth mindset and leading your company a different path, um, no matter the size. So how do you foster courage in, in small businesses or large businesses as well to, you know, overcome and, and grow as a company? Courage is, um, 
you know, a lot of times people think that, you know, if I, if I have the ability to do something, then um, as soon as I have the confidence um, and I get the reps in, then I'll be able to kind of really take myself to the next level. But when you really rewind confidence, courage typically comes first. And courage is the thing that amplifies um, confidence, right? Knowing you have the capabilities, doing the research. But I think that the, 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 the key is knowing what your formula is for preparation. And what I mean by that is the more that you understand how you need to prepare for something, how you need to um, spend time mapping out your notes, reviewing your notes, uh, figuring out what to do research on, doing it, and just preparing not only the, the, the data, the research, giving your space time uh, to listen to your gut. It's, it's not rushing it, right? And that's how you tap into the courage because you're, you're taking time to listen to your gut, pay attention to the art, pay attention to the data, take, take 10, 15 more minutes, and then say, okay, I'm going to make a decision. And I've looked at all the parts. I've taken time to prepare. I understand my consistent formula on how to prepare. Now I'm going to make a decision. And maybe mm-hmm. people understand it. Maybe people don't. And and it is what it is, as long as you you know you made the right decision. When I got out of the commercial real estate business, most people didn't understand my decision because I had a successful career, but I wasn't fulfilled. I wanted to do other things. Um, and I was very happy with my well-thought-out decision. And, and, and many people didn't understand, and I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care <laughs> because they didn't understand. They didn't spend the time yep. preparing. They didn't know where my decision um, metrics were coming from. They, they, didn't, they, they weren't thinking about that like I thought about that. And so if you know your mm-hmm. formula, then it will lead you to really, really good decisions. And then it will give you the grounded courage to make a move, make a decision, or do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. So is everyone's formula for preparation a little bit different? Um, I think it may be a little bit different, but the obstacle is, is you've got to commit to actually taking the time to do it. You know, it's like so many business owners or salespeople or managers, they run into meetings, they're running from meeting to meeting, they're doing this to this, and, and, and they're not taking time to prepare as an individual, prepare as a team, prepare their own mindset, prepare their thoughts. They're doing it, you know, game time. And so- Off the cuff. Off the cuff. You, you know, when I do a keynote, people think it's I'm winging it, but I, I spent a hundred hours preparing to look like I'm winging it. And, so, <laughs> and where that's hard is when I'm a, I'm a business coach and I'm really great at real-time coaching, hearing what someone's going through it in real time, uh, giving them solutions. So I don't need to prep for being real time because when I'm talking to someone, things flow through me to guide the person that I'm coaching. But when mm-hmm. it comes to preparing for a meeting, I'm always prepared. I'm always, always really prepared. So I love it, John. Yeah. Yeah. Formula for preparation, courage amplifies confidence, managing your calendar. So you actually have the confidence in making decisions. So you're not making yeah. rush decisions. Um, some tips and tricks um, to accomplish that. Um, 
yeah, I, I love what you've been talking about, John. And I know you, you got to head off here shortly. So I just wanted to make sure you had a couple minutes um, to say if there's any anything else um, that you'd like to leave us with. Um, but I sincerely appreciate your time today um, coming on. But is there one thing that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Um, a couple of things. I moved my call, so I have 15 more minutes if you need it. Oh, okay. But That's I, perfect. I, I would leave, mm-hmm. What I would say is one of the biggest issues I see with um, business people is they don't ask for help. And, and, and asking for help is a really, really, uh, can be a really difficult thing, but can save a lot of time and can help people make a decision. And, and asking questions and asking for help. Asking for help isn't necessarily saying, tell me what to do, but it's, it's asking for guidance so you can help make a grounded decision. Um, and mm-hmm. so I would, I would leave people with that, you know, make mm-hmm. sure that, that you put yourself in a position where you can ask for help and, and really listen to your gut. And um, yeah, those would be two things. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, John. It's almost part of that formula for preparation. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's really good. Well, John, where can listeners get a hold of you if they're interested in more? Uh, They can call me on my cell, 248-535-7796, or they can um, go to johndwaskin.com. And I have, you know, every, all my social platforms are there that they can link to my podcast, video tips and blogs and every more information they could possibly want can be, (laughs) can be found there. That's great. And that's John Dwoskin, J-O-N-D-W-O-S-K-I-N. Yes. So in case. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, John, thank you again, sir. I've had a great time and I really appreciate you coming on. Casey, great. It was great connecting with you. And if anybody wants to connect with me, please reach out. All right. That sounds good. Thanks again, John. All right. Thanks, Casey. All right. Talk to you soon, listeners. All right. See ya.